Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. This is the round nine recap on Hawks Insiders, our weekly player ratings after the uh, new normal, as we called it on our match review, Hawthorne uh, 14-10-94, losing to Richmond 17-15-117 in front of 40,000 people at the MCG. The new normal in that the Hawks played well in patches, lacking the experience and the talent of their opposition uh, to uh, in what was probably uh, an honourable, yet another honourable loss in the season, but we're going to get used to them. Joined by Darren Levine. Hello, Darren. Hi, Ash. I thought you, you banned that word from uh, Hawthorne vocabulary, but I think uh, it's just really all we can expect from this season. I know. You take, the, take the whatever credit you can get when it's there. Uh, Andrew Weiss, hello. G'day, Ash. Daz. I feel like if we had played this way and lost this game a few weeks ago, we'd have been more disappointed. But following up from the Essendon game, it was a lot more the context of all we want is for the kids to have a crack. And as long as they do that and never say die, then we'll be a little bit happier, uh, even with the loss. So uh, I think especially coming off the Essendon game, it was... There's a bit more exciting. There's a bit more excitement to write about in our post-game wrap, um, and obviously to discuss tonight. Uh, let's start with, uh, as we always do, because he wears number one, Harry Morrison. He uh, played for the Hawks, 15 disposals. He had three marks, three tackles, 80% defensive half, 67% disposal efficiency. He had um, 220 metres gained, one clearance. He had two rebound 50s. What did you make of his game, Andrew? Um, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like I use the term cut and paste quite a bit these days in in these pods, but I think it doesn't change to, from him for week to week. It's exactly the same as what we said for him last week, the week before, the week before that. Um, you notice what he does with it a lot more when he's got the ball. He probably doesn't do enough with it when he doesn't have it. Um, you also tend to notice him a lot more when we're winning games as opposed to when we're not winning games. I thought he was serviceable uh, without being outstanding. Uh, not really too much to add. So I give him a five and a half out of 10. Let's go to Mitch Lewis. He... Uh had 12 disposals. He took four marks, laid a tackle, kicked three goals, one, 76% of his time in the offensive half, 58% disposal efficiency, nine of his possessions were contested. Not too bad for Ford. Uh, he had um, two turnovers, two intercept possessions, scoring accuracy of 75%, six scoring involvements, 141 metres gained, uh, no centre bounce of tennis, so they kept him out of the rut, which is probably a good idea. Yeah, I think he makes such a big difference to our forward line when he's back in the in the team. Um, I was lucky enough to get a, or unlucky enough to get an MCC ticket and was sitting right on top of that one-handed mark and it was something beautiful to behold. It was just the way he held off his opponent and then just stuck the mid out. It was, it was a really, really great moment in that game. Um, but yeah, it's a between him and Cozzy, I think there were a few people doubting whether they could play together in the same team. But I think, I think they've showed in that game that um, 
we've got the makings of a really strong, young, formidable forward duo in Mitch Lewis and Cozzy. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Breaking. Breaking. I'm, I'm going to give Mitch uh, seven. I just love the way he's going about it this year. Yeah, I thought he played well. Uh, Jarman Impey, speaking of playing well, it's rebounded nicely after a couple of uh, after a, sl- uh, a slow uh, beginning to the season. Twenty-five disposals, eight marks, two tackles, eighty-eight percent defensive half, eighty percent disposal efficiency, six contested possessions, five turnovers, two intercept possessions, six score involvements. He uh, gained four hundred ninety-nine meters, had three clearances. Um, he had no set about attempts. It's not really surprising. It even uh, took a kick in, uh, which is a kick in play on. Uh, well, you see one of his better games. Yeah, it's really interesting because I, I was sent a few messages early in the game about, you know, what is actually going on with him. I think of those turnovers you were talking about, he had a couple of them early and um, I think he really, really came into the game well and ended up being one of our better players. Uh, again, we've sort of said it the last couple of weeks that whilst he's looked a bit slow at times and is still sort of finding his finding his rhythm to take the game on, he's getting into the right place at the right time and, and you can actually see him slowly building. Uh, he, he has been quiet the last couple of weeks, so this was definitely a step up I've given him a seven and a half I thought he was fantastic across the back line probably one of our best defenders on the day here we go uh, James Warfel 12 disposals half of which came in the last quarter uh, one mark one tackle one goal 50 percent disposal efficiency he had three turnovers one intercept possession he took one mark as I said 158 meters gained he was uh, in the centre bounce attempts 12 times. Uh, social media didn't wait till Final Siren to be going after Warble. He was trending on Twitter, I reckon, all through the gap, certainly after half time. I took a few, uh, checked in occasionally onto Twitter, and people were going hard at Warble uh, as the game went on. I thought his second, his last quarter was okay, a little bit better. I suspect he got a G up from the coaches or from someone at some stage because I thought he. He improved in the last quarter. It probably shouldn't save him from a couple of of Box Hill, but it might, his fate might be saved by a couple of things. Uh, you know, Josh Ward getting injured today, so uh, it could cuss, so he won't play next week, but won't come back. He might hang on for a week. Um, Darren, the James Warfel account is yours. Yeah, well, I mean, what do you, what do you say for that performance? I, I, I was pretty generous to Warps last week, and I think... This game was, he was just anonymous in that first half. Didn't even realise he was playing. Um, second half, you know, credit to him, he's, he's got a bit of a fighting spirit, James Walpole. And I think even the fact that he missed that really crucial goal and then just somehow had the, the mental toughness to nail the next one, I, I take my hat off to him there, but really it was 12 centre of 10. 10, uh, 12 centre bounce attendances for zero clearances. Uh, it's no wonder Kane Corns is saying we've got the worst midfield in the league. And James Warple, unfortunately, is a big part of that. I think he'll go back to Box Hill and I think he'll get the message and I think he'll play really well there. 
but um, it's going to be a, a long road back into the squad. I think if he actually, if he actually goes back there, so he maybe may get a lucky break with his injuries. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Warps a, a one for that goal. I think he spent an extended period of time. So he started on the bench. And I think he spent maybe the first five or six minutes on the bench, came on, got the ball straight away and kicked it straight to an opposition player. And that was his only kick in the first half of footy. So I think he maybe had three or four handballs for the rest of the half. But uh, yeah, it's really sad because even those of us that have been set, you know, sticking up for him in the last, few weeks it's harder and harder to justify that and um i understand what you're saying ash about the midfield depth um but i i think that clearly with the era that we're ushering in uh, it's it's probably not acceptable to go yeah but we'll just play him anyway give someone else to go even if they're a a kid that's going to get slaughtered or even if it's liam shields who's Probably playing his last year. I mean, or Dan, how you watch Bob Shields as? Yeah, I you know he's in the frame as well. So yeah, How and Shields are both really good again, and I think they deserve a spot over Walpole, irrespective of where they are in their careers as well. So I think you know one tackle also is just such a damning stat. Um, even if you're not winning the footy, you've got to you've got to really get involved in the game. Number six for Hawthorne is the captain, James Sicily. 24 disposals, 23 kicks, one handball to break it down. Nine marks, two tackles. Uh, mainly defensive half, no surprise there. 83% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, uh, eight turnovers, eight intercept possessions. Uh, he took uh, 680 metres gain. The uh, rebound 50 is 12. Uh, 1% is 12. Uh, Six kick-ins. Interesting. Uh, there were some who would suggest, some people who are near and dear to this po- uh, this podcast is, who went on to what the tap said, Sicily is being slaughtered. It was such an entertaining, such an entertaining contest between him and Lynch. And they both played well. It was on an absolutely split. I thought Sicily played a terrific game. He does give away uh, height and weight to Lynch. But Lynch didn't go on. He kicked four goals, but I would have thought Sicily broke even, um, you know, and, and did his best to sort of get the new game plan, get you know, switching the play and getting the ball moving, which has become what the Hawks try to do. I thought uh, he'd do that all day. And uh, after accusing of a bit of lair rising against Essendon, I thought this was an outstanding leaders game from the standing skipper, Wheatie. Yeah, well, a few of us uh, stood by him despite that shot at goal against Essendon. But um, no, I think that <laughs> the, the, the Lynch side of things, as you just said, Ash, he was still able to control um, the ball movement out of the back line, the switching of play um, through kick-ins and able to run off and out of the back line. The key is that he was playing on Lynch. So he was playing in that role as a one-on-one defender at the same time, which is not what he's accustomed to. The stats that you read out on any given day, like, are absolutely incredible 
for any defender. Like the 12 rebounds, the metres gained. Um, yeah, he was fantastic all day. And as I said on, on the pod last week, you know, he's, he's clearly for mine in the top three of our best and fairest. He continued his form against the Tigers. I've given him an eight out of ten. That seems a pretty fair mark to me, I would have thought. Number eight for Hawthorne, Sam Frost, 14 disposals, seven kicks, seven handballs, four marks, three tackles, uh, 64% disposal efficiency, um, 134 metres gained. Do we have Clanger stats for him? That's what I'd like to find out. Because um, he dropped a couple of marks that he really needed to take. Uh, a chest mark at one stage dropped out of his hand that resulted in a goal. Uh, four clangers. To Richmond. Yeah, four clangers. So we got Frosty Ball. This is this was the classic Frosty Ball game we warned about for Melbourne supporters. There was some good and there was some awful bad. Yeah, I mean, that drop mark in the first quarter really, you know, it's hard to forget moments like that. But I think Sam Frost, when the ball's coming in, I think they had 20 more um, inside 50s and the, the ball's coming in all day and they've got quality forwards that can just destroy you in a second. I, I think he was part of a defensive unit that, that did okay, just given the amount of footy that was coming in constantly. So Sam Frost, I still back him in as, as, as a key component of, of our back line. Wasn't his best day at the office, but he still was a contributor and I still think he did a, a reasonably good job. So I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a five and a half. Jaeger O'Meara, number 10 for Hawthorne, 19 disposals, eight kicks, 11 handballs, three marks, four tackles, one goal, one um, even split where he played on the ground, 68% disposal efficiency, tall contested possessions, um, four turnovers, two intercept possessions, three marks, 204 metres gained, four tackles, as I said. Uh, he was at 19 centre bounce attendances. Uh, I thought Jager played well. I think he's had. He's, he, I think he's a good uh, reign of form. One stage he's playing full forward. Uh, one stage Warfield was playing full forward as well. That's when I you know where to hide it. One stage you're standing, standing one out and playing the goal square, trying to what can we do with Warps. I thought Amir was. Uh, I thought he's, he's in a a working hard phase of his game. I sort of think he's nearly identified his new role with the, I think the coach and he have worked out sort of where he best serves the team now. I thought he did okay. Where's he? No, I um, I'm going to disagree with that, Ash. I think this is the this is the Omira we've come to know, as opposed to you know last week's anomaly. For mine, like 19 touches in a game of footy when you're being slaughtered in the midfield and you've got guys like Tommy Mitchell not playing again, like. I didn't see much of the leadership that he presented in the last quarter against Essendon to basically put his hand up and say, I'm going to lead from the front line. Um, and yeah, I mean, 19 touches, didn't really notice him from a damaging point of view, even like the super critical me, the goal that he kicked, which I think was from about 60 out, he was actually trying to pass it to the guy running in, 20 metres out and actually overkicked it and it skidded through for the goal. So 
But don't get me wrong, he still kicked the goal. And I mean, as long as you're putting it on that course, you're more likely to score than not or, or the guy take the mark. But um, I just, for me, it was just, uh, it was a nothing special game. Uh, and I'd give him a six out of 10. Connor Nash, 19 disposals, four marks, four tackles, uh, 89% defensive half, which probably talks about how Hawthorne looks slaughtered in the centre clearance. So his first movement was to go down the back line. 63% as far as efficiency, 80 of his possessions were contested. He had uh, five turnovers, no intercept possessions, four marks, 382 metres gained. He had. Um, 23 centre bounce attendances as well. So that's what he was. He was the crash and bash midfielder that he has become in the side. Uh, he was a lot of people thought he had a reasonably good day at the office. What say you, Dad? Yeah, well, he had 23 centre, centre bounce attendances and seven clearances. So our best clearance player on the day. I just think he makes such a difference to our side when he's in there now. He's, he's such a... Uh, his just his bullocking presence there in the midfield, able to to run down players that tackle on Graham. That I think it was on Graham that led to the Bruce goal. It was just a bash and crash performance, and our midfields really lacked lacked that for the past few weeks with, with him out. So an absolutely key component to the midfield. And at twenty three years old, Connor Nash is actually going to get better, which is really exciting. This is my question for both of you. Is he fit for purpose now or is he someone that in three years' time when Hawthorne hopefully won't have the worst midfield in the competition, copyright Kane Corns, will he still be in Hawthorne's... Should he still be playing midfield for Hawthorne in three years' time? Is he on that sort of upward curve? It's a really, really good question. I think that when you look at where he was a couple of years ago to where he is at the moment, there's no doubt he's got a spot and the difference, you know, that differential that he provides to our midfield is very exciting. He was an absolute beast on the weekend. In terms of three years' time, if, if we keep going the way things are now, you'd suggest that he will have every opportunity. But depending on how some of those kids, the wards, the McDonald's go in their development over the next two or three years, how quickly they potentially overtake him, or if he then becomes that, you know, by then we'll, we'll be losing Mitchell and Jager and we've seen what's happening with Shields and if Watts is still not playing, we're going to need a bigger body, more experienced unit. So um, obviously Jai's potentially got that as well, but there's clearly an opportunity and spot for him in that midfield group. For me, it's just about, whether the trajectory of that development continues over the next couple of years. But I've got no reason, based on the last six months, to think that that won't happen. And it's bloody exciting to watch. I never thought, like I'm the first to put my hand up, made some shocking calls and mistakes in the past about players that I've written off, and he's one of them. Because, like, I love what he does, and 12 months ago would have been very happy for him to be off the list. It's a good question because I reckon Ned Long is the heir apparent to Connor Nash, and I think the way Long's going about it in, in the VFL and the way he's playing, it, it could be a situation where Long overtakes him 
in in two you know, a year a year or two years time. Um, so maybe Nash will find another role then, or he'll just continue to get better. It's got, at least we've got that problem. I think it's more Haley. I think he's more confident with the footy in hand as well now, apart from just bashing, crashing, trying to cause chaos. I actually think he's better in close now in tight with, with the use of hands. I think uh, he, he's a vastly improved, a vastly improved footballer. Number 12 is Will Day. I'm nearly back to calling him Sir Will Day again. I thought it was a much cleaner performance from the Prince of uh, Waverley Park. 17 disposals, four marks, five tackles, um, mainly defensive half, um, six contested possessions, Four turnovers, eight intercept possessions, two score involvements, the most te- 374 metres gained. The most telling stat for me for Will Day was 12 centre bounce attendances. Daz, is it happening? I reckon. Um, I was surprised to see that stat too. And um, he had 12 centre bounce attendances for three clearances, which is three times as many clearances as James Warple had for his centre-bounce center attendances. So it's happening. I'm excited about it. Can his body hold up? Is he ready for it? I don't think he's going to be a permanent um, inside midfielder by the end of the year, but it's good that he's making, kind of making those moves. And I think he actually, in his post-game interview, maybe last week, he spoke about, wanting to have a or, or no I think it was an interview with the age he spoke about wanting to have that midfield role so it's definitely on the cards and I'm, I'm glad it's being fast tracked I chip in Ash I yes. think it's a really good opportunity to compare that and my point about Jager so he attended 12 centre clearances versus Jager's nine t- uh, 19 I think he said it was Jager yeah. had 19 touches at 68%. Day had 17 at 94%. He had an he had an extra tackle. He had the clearances. He played the defensive role and his rebounds from 50s were there. Um, he, for me, had significantly less time played in the midfield role, but a much, much bigger impact. So for him to do that is both a... I think an exciting, uh, it's an exciting prospect considering him as the midfielder, but also again highlights if, if he's doing that in his limited time in the midfield, what should Jager in that position be, you know, what should his output be for us, which makes it even more disappointing. But from a day point of view, Again, like I said last week, like he's growing, he's building, it's exciting. Like you can see it all just coming back again and uh, yeah, love watching him play. Yeah, well we were, we were considered in some quarters to be a bit harsh on a Will Day last week, but uh, I thought that was one of his better outings for a while. Just It was just so it, it was just a confidence building performance from him and for the supporters, it was it was great to see him back being the sort of Will Day that, uh, that uh, we've enjoyed watching the last couple of years. Uh, Dylan Moore, 14 disposals, four marks, three tackles. No goals this time for Dylan, who loves a goal. Will it be the first game this year he hasn't scored a goal? Like, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, it. I will feel free to hit us up on Twitter if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure every, every game I've tweeted that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So 
So actually, I'm just having a look. Uh, last year, round 16 against Port Adelaide, he didn't score. Uh, and before that uh, was round eight. So since round eight, it's last year's season, it's only the second game he second hasn't game scored a goal. Out of 22, there you go. Uh, um, he had uh, six, you know, eight contested possessions, three turnovers, three intercept possessions. He uh, went at uh, turn 38 metres gained. He had five inside 50s. What did you make of his game, Andrew? Yeah, I feel like uh, this was probably the game where he contributed the least from an individual point of view for the season so far. Certainly his lowest possession count. Um I think, I mean, he still had somewhat of an impact, um, somewhat of an impact moving forward. His uh, his inside 50s, he had five inside 50s um, and he had uh, four score involvement. So he was still able to hit the scoreboard despite the fact that it wasn't him personally doing it. But, um, you know, in previous games this season, you just notice him because of his work rate up and down the ground. And again, you didn't really notice him. He didn't have a massive impact on the contest. So um, I gave him a pass mark, a, a five out of 10, um, but not disappointed, just nothing to, you know, he's allowed a down game. I think when he put, how do you think when he put his head down the pillow on Saturday night and said, last thing you thought of before Tiffy got to sleep, I didn't score a goal today. How do you think he would have helped? Yeah, well, you know what? Hopefully that motivates him and he carries it on to carries it into next weekend, Ash. I reckon Dylan Moore goes to sleep with a footy just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's one of those players. Not a gold footy as well. Probably not a yeah. footy from the 2015 goal <laughs> or something like that. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack, Number 14, Scrimshaw, 13 disposals. Um, uh, five marks and a tackle, 77% disposal efficiency, uh, two turnovers, seven intercept possessions, uh, 39 metres gained. What does that mean? That can't <laughs> be right. Is that, that right? Can't be, that's not right. I'm no. Oh, yeah, 39 metres game, according to this. That's well, right. you know what? I've got a theory on that, and I was going to bring it up anyway. So this this actually bolsters my theory that Jack Scrimshaw is handballing it far too much at the moment. He had, I think, six handballs and seven kicks. Um, and when you look at someone like Sicily, 23 kicks to one handball, I think Scrimshaw, it could be just a result of him being under pressure, but I also feel like he should be using that 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 weapon uh, left foot that he's got a left foot, doesn't he? Um, yeah. That <laughs> that weapon left foot that he has a bit more often, and I think maybe that maybe that has to do with his low meters gained, um, and I'd like to see him kick it more. But aside from that, it's just another copy paste game for Jack Scrimshaw, just a really solid performer. Um, he's actually someone. You know, a lot of people talk about the comparison of Birchall, but he's so much better overhead and he, he took a great mark there, I think, early on in the game. Um, just great pair of hands. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a six and a half for me and 
I've downgraded him from my usual score because of the handball to kick ratio. You're on mute. Hello, I'm on mute. Uh, so I did have a drink in the middle of the podcast. Blake Hardwick, he had 15 disposals, six marks, two tackles, 87% disposal efficiency. He had uh, 10 of his possessions were uncontested. He took six marks, all uncontested. He had 235 metres gained. Uh, just another sort of quiet Blake Hardwick was there sort of performance, Andrew. Yeah, I think the interesting thing to note is that outside of Shard Bolton, who was a standout on the game, a standout in the game, um, all of the goals for the Tigers came from their tolls. So Lynch with four, Rewalt with three, uh, Dusty kicked three. Um, Soldo kicked two. So the Castanias and um, Grahams, when he went forward, Rioli spent a fair bit of time up forward. Uh, even Shane Edwards, when he came on, relatively as the smalls, they didn't do much between them. So um, I actually think he did a pretty good job, uh, certainly better than last week. Um, so, yeah, I, I gave him a six, uh, I think, there was nothing outstanding, but I think he did his job pretty well. Lockie Bramble, 20 disposals, four marks, three tackles, uh, 89% defensive half, 75% disposal efficiency. Uh, seven of his possessions were contested. Uh, he had four turnovers, six intercept possessions, 419 metres gained. And that is about the most six rebound fifties, three kick ins, which is uh, they trust him to do that a little bit more. Um, Daz, I think he's slowly starting to find form of last year, starting to find his place in the side as to where he fits in, and seems to, to be getting better every week. Totally agree, and I think his lack of sort of games since the the start of the, the the end of the sort of preseason is is telling and he's getting back to full fitness and I thought he was I thought he was really good. I was surprised to see him being slated online because I thought he actually had a really good game and he contributed really well. So um, he's going to continue to get better and be that player that we saw in the in the preseason game. So um, I'm gonna give Lockie a uh, six and a half. I thought it was a good game. He's got an MCG player, Lockie Bramble. Yeah, he is. He's, he's I reckon it's his best. It's, that and Tassie are his two at the home mm. ground. He actually, where he plays best foot. I don't know if he goes much at Marvel, but on the MCG, I reckon he's a good player. There's probably not enough of a um, of uh, evidence based theory to be able to, I guess, tell with him in terms of the limited number of games that he, he's played. But we've got three of our last six in Melbourne at Marvel, so. I guess we'll have the opportunity to see, but you're right. Like it just feels like the open spaces um, out of the back flanks on the MCG suit him absolutely perfectly. Max Lynch, who's becoming one of the most watchable players at Hawthorne in all sorts of ways, uh, 12 disposals, three marks, three tackles, a goal, um, 58% disposal efficiency, five of his his possessions were contested. Um, three marks, of which one was, yeah, two were contested, um, 124 metres gained, 
He had 21 centre bounce attendances, 63 ruck contests, hit outs. He had 15. My worry with, with Max Lynch, Andrew, is that he just always gets hurt. He's just hobbling around. He's not built as a four-quarter AFL ruckman. He got a chop out yesterday. We'll talk about Cosy. He was immense, I thought, in a lot of ways. But you just worry when he gets, he's hobbling in the second quarter and think, oh, my God, he's got to get through the rest of the game. How on earth is he going to do that? Somehow on Saturday he did, but he, he, he worries me sometimes. Yeah, definitely whether or not he's going to have the tank to run out games is clearly uh, an issue front and centre at the moment. But, you know, one of the things that sticks out for me is um, even when we play two Ruckman, like whenever McAvoy and Segler were playing over the years, you felt that both of them individually benefited out of being a sole Ruckman or being able to play 80 or 90% of Ruck time and play a whole game as a Ruckman. And that suited both of them that could then go forward. I think Lynch really needs Reeves and I think he's going to be really good as the player that comes off the bench or comes out of the forward line and the two of them work in tandem, not necessarily the other, other way around. And I mean, again, it's, it's very difficult because we're working with a really limited tapestry. Like we've got uh, only a few games to go by and he's going to have the opportunity to ruck a little bit more, but we got slaughtered out of the ruck. Like, Cozzy, as you said, we'll talk about it, battled so hard. But for Lynch to have 15 hit-outs for the game and Nankervis and Soldo to have 60 between them, like, that, that's, not a, that's not getting beaten. That's getting absolutely annihilated. And then you look at, you know, there's no... There's no surprise that their midfield got on top so comfortably and, and the clearance work, you know, it, it seemed to be that at three-quarter time they should have been comfortably on top of us because they dominated with first ball use. And as you mentioned it in your takeaways, like for a few-game player like Ned Reeves to comfortably sit in the top few most important players on the list, I don't know if that is um, a poor reflection of our list management to only have the three Ruckman, whether that's uh, more of a positive reflection on Reeves and what he's given us so far, or getting back to what we're just talking about, the perception that Lynch doesn't have it to play out a game purely as a Ruck. So I gave him a five out of 10. Uh, Again, Barely passable, but I mean, he's been thrown straight into the fire, and um, hopefully, he just gets better with the experience of having a few of these games under his belt. Yeah, I think Ned Reeves is, is going to be a he's going to be a player. This is just a real shame for them haven't been able to see him. Lynch is never designed to be a number one ruckman. I don't think he needs badly needs. One of McAvoy or Reeves to get back. I don't think uh, from talking to someone involved at the club on Saturday, I don't think McAvoy's going to be back anytime soon. So, so your presence, salutations. If that's your inclination to try and get Ned Reeves back playing because they clearly need him. Um, Jack Gunston, Darren, uh, 
he looked on until he got injured. He had five touches in a quarter and a bit, kicked a goal. He was moving okay. Great confidence, I think, when he kicked that goal early and you just thought Jack's in for a good day. And for a while there, were just the forward line. And Bruce was busy early and thought, oh, the forward line's in. Final, we're going to get the forward line we've hoped for. Some observations for a while. We had Gunson playing the third forward and for a while and excelling at it. Didn't quite work out with the ankle injury. They'll probably keep him out, I suspect, from the Brisbane game next week. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that was actually the turning point of the game for me. Just the forward line lost its structure. And then, you know, Cozzy having to do some ruck minutes, the whole thing sort of unraveled from there. Um, but Gunston, yeah, definitely looked on. Definitely looked like he bounced back from a from a pretty terrible week last week. And um, that early goal was so important for him. Um, I think he injured himself going too hard in a marking contest that happened after the siren. So that was a bit silly. But um, I hope he's back sooner rather than later because I'd love to just see that forward line in action for a few games in a row. That would be that would be pretty good. So unfortunately for Jack, it's uh, a five out of ten just because he missed half a game. Well, that's three quarters of a game. Chad Wingard, a bit of discussion, seven disposals in his 200th game, uh, two marks, two tackles, two goals, 60% offensive half of the ground, 71% disposal efficiency. Now, of those 17 possessions, um, seven came in the last quarter uh, when he was put onto the ball to try and spark something. Um, he was 100% disposal accuracy, 355 metres gained, 12 centre bounce attendances, as we said. So the question for you, Andrew, about the Chad is, you've been crying, this is, your, this is one of your hobby horses, um, and you can recount every single stat for those last four weeks of last season when he was playing equal career best footy. Why are we seeing him more often in the, mid, in the, in the midfield? Is it because he, as I posited on the story, does he not have the tag? Does he not have the body? What's yeah. the story? Yeah, so, and gee, I'm glad I got Chad for this week's pod. Um, I think clearly there's an understanding that with his injuries in pre-season, the one or two games he's already missed with little niggles here and there, we understand that from, you know, the body of evidence over the last few years, he doesn't necessarily come into each season with the best preparation and there's always going to be that question mark over his body. So my theory has been, especially off the back of those last five rounds, actually, but four in particular last season, where he was just incredible as a midfielder and clearly something we've been calling out for, like our midfield, our midfield, our midfield, where all of our issues have been, I just go, he, when he plays as a stay-at-home forward, he doesn't give us enough to justify keeping him, keeping him there and not tinkering with him as a stay-at-home forward. So my notion is play him in the midfield. If his body's not up to it and he breaks down, He'll miss weeks. So be it. If it is up to it, 
we saw in that last quarter, and that's the first time he's had a good sort of 20-minute chunk of on-ball time this season, uh, other than, the, you know, the flash five minutes here or there. He played most of the last quarter through the middle. He was the reason we got back into the game. The Warple goal, the one-two handball out of the middle um, over the top of the opponent to the guy running onto it was outstanding. And he just adds polish, creativity and pace to that midfield unit. So, um, again, like if you were just rating his last quarter, he kicked the goal as well, you know, he'd be on a 9 out of 10 for that quarter. So I say start the game next weekend with him in the guts and give him a half a game of footy. If his body's not up to it, well, his body's not up to it. If he's in there, he makes that bigger difference. So I gave him a six and a half. Um, he still kicked the earlier goal as well um, earlier in the game. Um, but the reality is that up until three-quarter time, he really hadn't given us that much put him in the spotlight, and he was outstanding. Daz, is there a theory that he um, he's warm, I mean, he's come back from injury you know, again? He, is there a theory that they, he's warming into he's warming into playing more mutual moves and then just been ultra-conservative and ultra-cautious with him? Yeah, I think so, for sure. I think especially when a player doesn't have any preseason at all, they have to build their load. He had a pre-season. He just missed a chunk of it. He just missed the important part towards the end. He actually yeah. he did three months. Oh, didn't he miss the last sort of, what, four weeks of it? I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, and that's the problem. Even though he'd done the main amount of it, then he pulled up with a soft tissue injury. Yeah. It's the main amount, of, but then it just really ramps up towards the start of the season. And you've got all the preseason games that he missed when the intensity goes up. I, I, I don't know. I think he's he's kind of and he's had little niggles the whole year. So I think he's if he if if hopefully we'll get to see more minutes in the midfield and hopefully or, or he could just be a, a sort of burst player in there and and that's how he contributes when we need him in the guts. But. We're also in the state right now where we don't have other midfield contributors. So we're asking a lot of him. And once we have a functional midfield, maybe it is okay to just have Chad playing a quarter when, when we sort of need him in there. But until then, we need more Chad in the midfield. Uh, and so my question is, if we play him in the midfield and he broke down, will we genuinely miss him up forward? No, he's no, he's not. Performing that fair. No, so play him. But do you send a player doesn't... out there to, do you send a player out to break him down though? Well a strong locker he's gonna break down. Well, you know, I guess obviously that he and they know his conditioning and his body better than any of us. So obviously there's a level of emotion to this conversation because they will have to manage that load as a result. And of course, no, they're not going to send him out to break down. But again, we saw it in the last five weeks, quarter of the season, last season, what he's capable of doing in there. If he's fit enough to play, fit enough to play, play him, play him in the gut. Luke Bruce wears 22 for Hawthorne. He had 14 disposals, um, three marks, a tackle, three goals, one. Much better outing from uh, Brewsty this week. 61% time offensive half. Um, 
three contested, ten uncontested possessions, one turnover, one intercept possession, one goal, assist, seven score involvements, three marks, um, two marks inside 50. He had uh, no, three inside 50. A better game from Luke Bruce, Andrew. Yeah, well, he kicked two of them and had six in the first quarter and then slowed down completely, um, but came home really strong as well. And uh, I think 14 touches and three goals. If if you ask anyone at the start of any game, if you're these days, you're happy getting that out of Luke Bruce. Uh, you'd take it in a heartbeat. So his contribution was fantastic. Um the forward line generally did pretty well. That clearly wasn't where our issues were. Um, and it's hard. Like when Gunston goes down that early, it changes everything. So especially in that first quarter, he was a clear beneficiary of the system, the setup in place. And once that changes, uh, we're not necessarily across what needs to happen straight away involved with that injury to then make sure the structure's right and, and he probably suffered a bit but got better then again towards the end of the game and was a really good leader. I, I gave him a 7 out of 10. Darren, Jacob Kaczynski, 13 disposals, 5 marks, 4 tackles, 2 goals, 1. Even, fairly even split where he played along the, on the ground, 10 contested possessions, 3 turnovers, 2 intercept possessions. He had uh, five marks, four of them contested, 293 metres gained. He had seven hit-outs, 14 centre bounce attendances, 39 ruck contests. Just seemed to me, well, not a word I've used to describe Kaziski before, but he was a bit of a warrior, I think. It's warrior with an A uh, for Hawthorne against the Tigers. Yeah, well, I mean, again, we just didn't see him in his natural position, which was such a shame because he had such a great second quarter kicking those two goals and then having to go in the ruck would have been frustrating for him. It's not his natural position, especially against two beasts in Soldo and Nan Curtis. And I thought he did okay and, you know, halved a few contests and put his body body in there and you, you can't fault his effort. I just would love to see him play in his natural position with Mitch Lewis in the same forward line. I just, is it so much to ask to have two of our key forwards playing their actual positions for the whole game? Um, but yeah, he, cause he is a, a, a six and a half for me. Um, I thought he, he really is a lion hearted player. And um, I think a, a really crucial cog in our forward line going forward and hopefully staying forward. Denver Granger Barris, seven disposals. Um, two marks, two tackles, 100% disposal. Sorry, 100% time in the back line. He had three turnovers, four intercept possessions, two score involvements. He, um, what else is of note here? Nothing else really of note other than he had to play on Jack Rewalt, who I think he three for, for Richmond. Another learning experience for him. In the last quarter, there was the uh, smother. He was trying to take the game on. Hawthorne needed a quick ball movement to try and somehow get uh, another goal to try and get this miraculous win uh, happening. A smother, rebound, Richmond goal, sealer. 
what did you make of his game, Wiesi? Yeah, well, I think we should start with that that last passage of play. Um, and actually, it was very Frost-esque. You could almost have told me that it was Sam Frost, that play, and I would have believed you because he did well to get the ball in the first place. And, uh, I mean, for me, the big positive was he had the awareness to run, like to just go, right, I've got to go here. And he did, and he got clear, and he did really well. And just tried that little chip over the top when he saw the spare man. Um, again, to his credit, he then um, ran down with a Castagna. He got his, his hand on the back of Castagna, which forced the miss kick. Um, they ended up getting the goal out of it. So it was, a bit, it was a bit of bad luck. And in that particular instance, you go, well, you know what, like, part of the learning curve you're glad that he backed himself had a go um you know we were still up against it we still had to kick those two goals in two minutes so um good on him for trying uh i think you said ash learning curve like playing against jack that's that's what it is there's no different to the last seven eight weeks where um each task he gets is hopefully going to build build that level of experience in his portfolio because he he certainly wasn't outstanding but you know being able to play one-on-one against uh a, a champion of the game certainly in recent times like jack i think that um that he'll hopefully get a bit out of it but yeah i, I can't give him much more than a five out of ten sam butler had three disposals on debut a two kicks and a handball a mark, two tackles. His heat map looks quite funny. There's like four dots in equidistant parts of the ground. Um, 100% disposal efficiency. Unfortunate. Uh, well, his first he, well, negative one metres game. His first involvement in the game was being absolutely coat-hangered. But put his head over the ball. It's gutsy. He put his head over the ball and got the free kick. So that was a, a good sign. Uh, his next notable thing was when he took a fresh air shot for a soccer goal and then tried to follow up with the goal. And many would argue that Hawthorne robbed the goal, but uh, it was a bit of a soft option by the uh, by the video review people to go on past call when on a couple of angles it looked like last bit of contact to the footy was Butler on the goal line to get the goal. Um, Daz, not the greatest of debuts. Uh, what do you think and would you persevere? Not a debut that he'll remember, but I think he, he was definitely robbed of that goal. And I'm not sure what angle that that um, the the review umpire was looking at, but the angle that we were showing on the ground was showing the post obscuring it. And then the other angle showed that he had his boot on it last. So I'm not really sure what went on there. And it was it was really soft and weak of that um, that umpire to, to refer it back to the to the to the to the goal umpire. So Rob did debut goal. Maybe he would have kicked on from there and got some confidence. He he looked pretty lost if I'm being honest, but I think Sam Butler has got something. Um, he tore it up at VFL level the week before. Um, give him another game against Brisbane and, and see how he goes because maybe the, the occasion maybe kind of overawed him a little bit and uh, playing in Tassie, I think, could be, could be his introduction to the big time. So I would leave Sam, Sam Butler in the team. It's a two for me. Sorry, Sam. Uh, it was not a debut to remember, and I would have loved you to get that goal, but um, technology 
robbed you of that one. Having said that, Daz, he fresh airied the shot in the goal True. where before it, so really he's got no one but himself to blame for not having <laughs> a goal on debut. His eyes gonna... absolutely lit up. I could, I could yeah. see him from and adrenaline rush like you've never seen. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was he was thinking about the goal before he actually executed. Thirty-one fourth on his Connor Al Pacino McDonald. You need to check the. Uh, you need to check the. Um, our recap. Uh, the match review, uh, the recap to get the context of that one. So I encourage you all to see that. Twelve disposals, um, four kicks, for, uh, eight handballs, two marks, uh, a tackle, and a behind in three quarters of footy. Fifty-eight percent disposal efficiency, three turnovers. Um, Paul Connie's not going to get managed anytime soon. They keep giving <laughs> them bringing back on the side. Andrew. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's unfortunate for the fact that then that game where he actually does get managed is going to happen, right? Like, uh, that's why I think even, you know, Tom Mitchell being managed, they should that they should call it what it is because you don't get managed and then be the medical sub knowing that they full well could be called to come on per se in the same way that, you know, the club knew that Tom Mitchell was sick, so illness is a more accurate description for why he's not playing but I'm not sure why they gave that nonsense of manage for Mitchell to take the hill and move on ridiculous it's no different to a couple of weeks before like Bont who was clearly injured was managed like I don't understand the the need for not saying that there's an injury or then for Liam Shields who then plays for Box Hill why is it managed? No, 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 no. That is not being managed. He's not being picked in the team because he's not in the team on merit. So, um, yeah, I just think that with Connor, it was exactly the same as all of his other games. He did look lively when he came on, um, but it's always hard as well when he's come on for Jack Gunston, who, who looked really, really good. So... Um, it's not a like for like. It changes and messes up the structure a fair structures a fair bit. The the positive is that he got to play another three quarters of footy, uh, or you know two and a half quarters of footy, or whatever it was. So, yeah, another game under the belt. Um, five and a half out of ten for me. Finn McGuinness, number thirty-two for Hawthorne, second last player we look at. Uh, for this week, 13 disposal, six kicks, seven handballs, kicked behind, took one mark, one tackle, uh, mainly defensive half, 62% disposal efficiency. Uh, he had four of his possessions were contested, two turnovers, one intercept possession. Uh, he's had a notable impact on games last few weeks, Finn, but not so much uh, this time around, as. No, no, I wasn't really sure what his role was on the day. It was hard to figure it out. Was he tagging Baker at one point? Maybe um, I couldn't. I couldn't figure out what he was. What he was actually doing out there. In a positive way, he didn't do anything glaringly bad, or didn't turn or turn it over in 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 one of those hard in mouth sort of moments or at a pivotal moment. So at least he's got that going for him, and he seems to be a lot more comfortable with the footy in hand. But um, it just did not have an impact on that game. Um, so I'm going to give him a four. 
question for the spaces on Thursday night will be what role will he play against Brisbane? All those great midfielders can we find out what is the role? What do we want Finn to do against the Lions this week? So that's the question with notice well, for you guys and, and the others on the spaces this week. Well, the other question is what is his role if he's not tagging someone? That's right. Because he's not That's a right. ball-winning ball mid. He's not a classic winger. He's not a much of a forward player. So, you know, I've seen him play a bit in the back cuff um, for Box Hill. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one with Finn. And it'll be very interesting to see what Sam Mitchell does with him against the Lions. He's an athlete. Surely he's going to need to and certainly want to develop his game where he's not just a tagger and can find enough of the ball himself to justify spotting the team for when he's not tagging. Because you look at someone like a Ryan Clark at Sydney who you know, has done the tagging role so well over the last few years on certain individuals and his emergency every other week and then doesn't play and, you know, I feel like he can clearly do that role really well. And, and I, if, the, if the Langdon game is then the benchmark for what he can do as a tagger, that's outstanding. But he's not going to, A, necessarily have that tagging role every week and, B, there are going to be games when he's tagging and his opposition player is going to get off the leash. So he's going to still need to be able to get enough of the ball to justify his spot in the midfield or on that player anyway. So I think there's a fair bit of development to go in terms of finding out exactly how he fits within that structure. He played a fair bit on the ball in the preseason. So I'm kind of surprised that he's not even being tried there when we're getting absolutely killed in the middle of the ground. So maybe that's, maybe that's something that Mitchell's going to uh, sort of toy with over the next few weeks. Yeah, not one zero, not one centre-bounce attempts um, for young Finn McGuinness. Last, but as has been the case all season with this guy, not least, John Newcomb, 22 disposals, 12 of which came in the first quarter. And that might be something we need to look at. Uh, he had two marks, four tackles. He had uh, seven contested possessions, went at 59% disposal efficiency, Eight turnovers, three intercept possessions, took two marks, both uncontested. He was uh, seven rebound, 50, 25 centre bounce attempts, once again, leading the Hawks in that category. Um, Andrew? Yeah, so it's, it's like the, the scales at the moment and balancing up. And he's just a kid and we all love him and we're so excited about where he sits. Like he's in the top handful of players that we're excited about for what they're going to be able to do. Um, so he went, you mentioned 22 touches, 12 in the first quarter. So he was pretty quiet for the rest of the game. He went one at one in the second quarter. One in the second. So um 59% disposal efficiency, including seven clangers. And obviously that was the previous knock. If he's getting the ball 30 times and he's consistently getting it as much as he did in the first quarter, it becomes less of an issue. Ethan's claim to fame on tonight's podcast is um, he duly let me know that Newcomb's leading the competition for clangers. Um, and I 
feel like that after the first quarter, in the first quarter, the times he turned it over, it wasn't such an issue because he had so much of it and he was doing so much with it in general. So then you started to notice it more as the game went on uh, and then half of his touches are not necessarily as effective as they should be. So I think there's a fair bit to address, but if we just take the first quarter for what the first quarter was, we can keep the narrative about what a bloody excitement machine we've got and who are we going to pick up in the next mid-season draft because there's got to be others like him that we know about and are looking at. And, um, yeah, he's, he's just so exciting to watch. Yeah, he started game, he starts games magnificently, but also at a pace that's unsustainable. And I feel like he's just bought a gate when he comes out and getting possessions again, the first clearance. And suddenly, the game's 10 minutes old, he's had six touches already, and then you think he's going to hit a wall and he's sort of doing it, but he's still excited to watch. Um, there are a few people who Hawthorne think he might win the, the Rising Star this year. They're very bullish about him. I think over the course of the season, he might, uh, he, he might get there. I'm not quite sure myself, but he's certainly. Um, playing better foot at the moment than a couple of other lead candidates at the start of the year. A certain number, whatever, six for North Melbourne and maybe number 35 for Collingwood. He is probably playing better than them at the moment. So uh, there could be some optimism of a, of a deep run in the rising star later in the year. Let's see how he goes. Um, finally, we throw thought, it open to both of you. Go on. I thought Dacos won that one in Feb. <laughs> <laughs> and Jane yeah. and Horn Francis in March. Yeah, that's right. Um, the coach, I thought you, I thought he coached better this week. Yeah, agreed. I think he, um, I think his his in game changes, and then he, it was a lot of adversity in, in terms of Lynch looking a bit proppy and Gunston going off early. I think he made some really smart moves um, and just set us up to to make that run home, which just did not see coming. I thought we were going to be overrun. And I think other Hawthorne teams may have been overrun by, you know, lost that game by eight goals. Um, so I think he's just even from a, beyond the tactics, he's, he's getting these guys up for fighting to the end. And I think that's just so impressive. Um, and I think it's going to hold us in good stead. It's going to hold us in good stead when we're playing finals in a few years. And um, I'm just... Very happy that we have Sam Mitchell at the helm. I think we saw a few more in-game changes as well. So we've mentioned a couple of them already tonight. Uh, the, the decision to play Cozzy in the ruck as opposed to Nash and also to give him more time than he probably would have originally liked in the second half was significant because I, I feel like Cozzy probably gave us more than Lynch at times. And similarly, uh, you know, we've talked about Chad in the midfield. So a couple of more of the moves that you notice to actually try and change the narrative of that area of the ground. So he clearly had a better better day than, than he did last week against the Bombers. My last takeaway from the game was it was a bit, and you mentioned this in, uh, in the recap, you know, we're getting a bit sick of losing. We're getting a bit sick of losing to Richmond, but I reckon two years' time we'll start beating Richmond more often than not. I think that theirs was a, a triumph of 
system and experience and just knowing what to do when a young team coughs the ball up, which happened far too often. But this this is a Richmond win. They're, they're, they're good, experienced players. Got home. Dusty was you know, magnificent, and that, that freakish left foot snap in the whatever quarter it was, you know, was, was amazing. Um, you know, Prestia and Lynch and, and Rewalt and and Curves, all these experienced players who aren't going to be there, you know, for that much longer. I think Hawthorne a couple of years breaks even with Richmond, so I was I'm comfortable that uh, we won't be seeing results like that again for Richmond in a couple of years. Or I'm too optimistic. No, I think you're spot on. They're they're a couple of years behind us in terms of rebuilding because I don't think they've actually acknowledged yet that they're rebuilding. So you mentioned well, they've got a lot of draft picks that they haven't used. I mean, they, they did well, stockpile Sonzi and a couple of others, but they do. But by the time they play, our draft picks will have played forty or fifty more games than them. So. By the time you mentioned Rewalt and Nankervis, and I'm not sure how old Grimes is, and they've got McIntosh still playing, and um, uh, by the time a lot of these guys leave, again, we'll be two years further down the track with all of their kids coming into play. So um, I, I agree with you that hopefully sooner rather than later we'll turn that around and start beating them again. And and I think with this game, like, I feel like we saw enough in this game where you go, you know what, in three or four years' time, at quarter time, halfway through the second quarter, even halfway through the third quarter, you would just feel like we were going to win that game. Whereas on the weekend, you just felt like we were going to lose it. But I've, you've seen enough that we're in the positions and we've got the players and it's sort of there that in a few years' time, uh, uh, hopefully won't be an issue. We'll be that that much further down the path. Darren, what were you thinking before we finish? What were you thinking when Hawthorne were four goals up in the second quarter? At no point did I think we were winning that game. <laughs> at, at, at no point. Even when we kicked that goal with three minutes left, I just could not see us win that game. Um the Essendon game, I thought we were going to win it when we got it when we got in front by four goals, but and not the Richmond game. I just thought again, it was the experience was telling Dustin Martin just kicking freakish goals. Shy Bolton, who's just an unbelievable talent, and I think Bolton is probably the one that's going to torch us again in a few years um, out of that out of that group. Um, but he won't have twelve players around him. Well, that's true. I think at that point, Ash, I turned to Hayden sitting next to me, my mate, and said to him, look, we're a massive chance here. If we can be 10 goals up at three-quarter time, (laughs) we might just be able to hang on. So, yeah, we're we're clearly at a place where I don't think anyone's going to feel specifically comfortable after, you know, after the Swans game and the Bombers game and even this, you know, being being the four-plus goals up, I don't think it's going to happen for a while where anyone can truly feel comfortable that we're in a position to win their game till late in their game. I felt I felt it was very much like poke, poking a bear. And it was like, oh, do we, do we want to go four goals up here and just really, really galvanise them and get them, to, get them to get them angry? Maybe just a couple goals and then let them it's get like them a, back. It's like a... The sport you guys know more about than me. When you get two goals up quite early in soccer, it's actually yeah. the worst. 
It's so true. Yeah. So it felt like a two-goal lead, two-deal lead in soccer <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes into the first half. Well, I'm, there's no enjoyment there out of this. Yeah, well, the team that I support, Everton, goes on to lose those games 4-2. So I know that, I know that feeling well. And I'm not interested in talking about the round ball game for quite some time. So let's stick, <laughs> stick to the correct topic here, please, Ash. Well, we're going to finish the correct topic here now. That has been the, our uh, player rankings podcast. Big week coming up at the Hawks. There's going to be a couple of significant announcements um, in the next few days. We will be across that on the spaces, hopefully with a guest who can talk us through all that on Thursday night. We're going to trial a new story idea, which I'm going to brief you guys about as soon as we stop recording uh, for the Hawkins side this week. I think people are going to really like uh, that we're going to have a bit of fun with as well. So uh, that's a little thought balloon of mine from about an hour ago, and uh, we'll see how that goes as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening, for your support. $5 a month, $50 a year for great Hawks content. We'll keep it coming at you. Hopefully uh, a win not too far away, although like Gold Coast played today, I don't think even two weeks in Darwin talking optimistic. Maybe Collingwood. Collingwood might be the winnable game and first weekend in June. That might be that might be the next one. But we'll see what happens. Hawthorne has won the last two against Brisbane if you're looking for something to get you through the week, just to bear that in mind. Andrew, thank you. Thanks as always, Ash. Have a good week. Daz. Darren, thank you. Thanks, guys. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that one. And we will talk to you on Thursday on our safe spaces uh, uh, on Twitter. Have a good week, everyone. Talk soon.